Good morning, BHA. Well, ladies and gentlemen, here we are uh, at the most recent uh, recording of Good Morning BHA, and we are with a very Hello. special VIP guest today. Um, yes, we do. A bronze national AMS bronze medalist uh, with uh, close shave, um, two-time a national champion with Southern Cross, um, and also international champion John Newell. Welcome <laughs> to Good hey. Thanks, fellas. <laughs> Mate, um, uh, incidentally, uh, for listeners, um, the, John was interviewed a few years ago on um, a thing called Gold Medal Moments over in America, and um, so there's uh, some really good stuff there, so go and have a listen to that if you uh, get the chance, um, but kind of fortunately for us, uh, there's a bunch of the, especially a bunch of the Aussie stuff they kind of understandably skated over that we're going to drill into today, so... Um, so without further ado, um, John, um, yes, we'd love to hear your story. So this is just a, a, a podcast of all things barbershop in Australia and uh, Ash's initiative. So congratulations to Ash. Um, oh, thanks, mate. mate. Um, oh, that's all right, mate. Um, <laughs> John, you mentioned in the um, uh, Gold Medal Moments uh, podcast thing that um, you, correct me if I'm wrong, you started singing as a kid with your brothers and when your dad was the pastor of the church uh local church and church choir um my question and you mentioned you know you just wanted to be involved with your brothers did you know then that you loved singing or you loved ensemble singing or did you kind of learn that because you just wanted to be involved in what your brothers were doing i think i learned it particularly because i watched what they were doing they were both older than me uh, one by four years and the other one by six years so i watched what was going on dad was in charge of the church in brizzy and uh, you know it looked like fun so I as soon as I was old enough which was six and I started to learn to read music I got involved so and I just enjoyed doing it yeah fair enough um, hang, so hang on a minute you um, you sang with close shade but you started singing as a kid in Brizzy so just just clarify that timeline there yeah I don't want to offend any of our Tassie listeners <laughs> Because uh, I did spend some years in Tassie, and that's of course where I started barber shopping. But I'm a born and bred Queenslander, and uh, yeah, I'm afraid state of origin every year. It's maroon, 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 and go those mighty maroons every time. <laughs> so yeah, uh, um, we moved there when I was 12. I was going through high school, and I got into barber shop in grade 12, actually 1987, and uh, it was just I was doing the school musical, and the teacher in charge of the music for that musical she said hey i know of a quartet an acapella quartet of guys who are looking for somebody of about your voice range um i reckon you might fit in pretty well could i put your name forward would you like to audition so i said oh yeah sure go ahead um you know with a couple of weeks later i got a call from tim begbie the one and only baritone that close shaves ever had since it started in 1983 Yep. And yes, he's Nick's uncle. So I auditioned, got in. Um, that was that would have been September '87. Did my first gig, Melbourne Cup Day, 1987. So you've I, been doing musical theatre at school, yeah? Or yeah, I had been doing some of that. Did a lot more of it yep. once and, I uh, did a lot more of it once I got into university. Yeah. And did you um, did you love that the solo lead stuff, or were you kind of equally um, drawn to the more ensemble stuff, or just both? I enjoyed it all because they all they all had yeah. different challenges. They all required different approaches and skills. Um, but I did appreciate barbershop because you know it had challenging music. I had to really know my stuff. Had to sing in an ensemble. Had to engage an audience. Had to tell a story um, and perform. So it was it really brought together a good combination of factors and I thought hey this is fun let's do lots of this mm. so that was your first reaction I mean to tell us about you meeting the guys you go and shake their hands you have a sing and you know did you just immediately go wow or you know how was that first first few minutes yeah I think the reaction was the same that anybody has when they first start to sing in that situation it's like wow listen to that sound that we can make when these voices come together I've never heard anything like it and I've never experienced anything like it so, you know, once you're hooked, you're hooked. Yeah, it's in your blood. Absolutely. 
Um, and so, mate, tell us about um, the, the, the close shave journey. You know, tell us about, um, you know, was it really casual? Did you set goals? I mean, obviously, you know, winning a national medal, that was pretty cool. Um, and tell us about the, the, the state of, of AMS at the time, because, you know, it was pretty, it was, um, it was new. Um, it was new. Yeah. yeah. AMS actually started a year after I joined. It started in 88. Um, I was with Close Shave for nine years, and wow. the first wow. four of them, we really didn't know anything about barbershop style about how the craft really worked because the first convention was in 91 and we went to that and placed ninth. Um, the one thing we had in our favour was that the four of us could really definitely sing in tune but in terms of you know how to create legato lines in the barbershop style and work the music in the appropriate way we didn't really know. So we learned a ton at that first convention but we're talking at a time when people didn't have internet, people didn't have you know ready access to coaching. So whatever we learned from that first convention, we clung to it like gold, and we Back applied in the day, it. As you know, the roads in Tassie hadn't been widened to take two horses, so you know, you know, I know. it's pretty pretty early on. They got running water though. I heard just the other week. You know? <laughs> oh, You're going to get phone calls now. <laughs> yeah, but it was uh, that couple of years from 91 to 93 between conventions we used what we learned out of that con first convention and tried to apply it to all our music chose different music you know so we learned a lot more by the time we got to 93 um, and and managed to to grab a, th a third place bronze medal and again use what pretty we learned from. Ninth, so it was it ninth, third. That's pretty cool yeah it was pretty fun it was great fun we had a great convention and again another two years um, applying what we learned from judges and critique sessions particularly and, and worked hard and got to the 95 convention in Canberra and uh, placed third again. I have to, I have to say uh, 95 in Canberra was where I met Wally Coe and I have to bring up Wally's name simply because when I moved to Vancouver in late 2002 um, once I got my immigration stuff sorted out, I worked for Wally's company for seven years after that. Yeah. Small world, eh? It is a small world. And mate, tell us about the sort of the you know the week to week. What motivated you? Or like what? How did you articulate your goals? Did you just sort of some quartets, of course, get together in a very informal way and just sing? Others say you know others have more specific goals. What was a you know how did that evolve in in close shave? Did you live close and did you rehearse weekly? That sort of thing. Yeah, we rehearsed weekly pretty much as much as we could. Well, I think we if you want to summarise it, we had three goals. One was to have fun. The second was to get out and perform and entertain, and the third one was to you know become as good as we could be with what limited coaching and knowledge we had. Now, um, in those days, there was no barbershop club anywhere in Tassie, no chapter as uh, it's called in North America. We were it in the entire state back then. We were the ent yeah. entire barbershop action. So we earned our money, and we did pretty well because we hooked into... Um, the guys who'd been part of the quartet before me really sort of started lay the groundwork for this. But we hooked into a lot of the business gatherings that happened there because you guys are going to be having your national convention at Rest Point this year. Yep. That's where yep. we did a ton of our gigs at Rest Point. Um, we did dinners, we did conventions where we would feature between courses either up on the stage or moving around the tables we tried to talk them into what was the best way to utilize us because it was a feature entertainment sort of thing so we'd encourage them to do do a like a 15 minute set between entree and main course and another yeah. 15 minute set between <coughs> main course and dessert that sort of thing so we did tons of uh tons of gigs that way lots of different conventions you know we did a undertaker's convention we did a taxi owners <laughs> convention we did a travel gig got together for these travel executives they would get together in each capital city once every you know they'd rotate around the capital cities every six years and they'd seen close shave six years beforehand like 84 and this was 1990 and they came back to hobart and they booked us again to come and sing at their little soiree like you know 30 people in the room and uh, 
I'll tell you this story because it gets into the business ethic that's really important. We were just singing for these travel executives, and this is back in the days of the early 90s when you know, travel was big and there was tons of money. And some somebody really loved us and she said, oh, we've got to get you guys up to Cairns to the Travel Land Convention we're going to be having. So okay. you know how the usual thing work is, oh, you know, she, she says, oh, g give me your business card. So, you know, give him a business card and you never hear from him again. Fortunately, <laughs> our guys had learned the thing and gave the business card and said, let me have yours as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so this was Tim. This was Tim Begbie. The next day he called her. We, nice. we got the gig. Yeah, nice. They flew us from Tassie to Cairns. They booked us for two nights at the Hilton, and we got first-class travel all the way there and back again what? for That's like incredible. a for like a half-hour set. It was <laughs> so cool, and we ended up staying a third night, which we were going to pay for ourselves. They picked up the tab anyway. Oh, it was it was so cool. We went into all the Daintree be, rainforest. Uh, among the more expensive half-hour sets uh, in barbershop. Absolutely. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So it's interesting, John, you mentioned all the gigs you did. Uh, and, and, yeah, to, to, to clarify or just to, to reiterate, that the proactivity and, and, yeah, here's my details, can I have yours, please, such a critical thing that so many um, cho uh, choruses and, and, and quartets um, don't do. It's a really great... Uh, business uh, um, uh, modus operandi there. Um, it, it, in recent years, of course, there's particularly with the the transition in barbershop BHS from the presentation category to the performance category. You know, trying to get more more uh, you know of real world, I guess, and and and, and less sort of cliche barbershoppy. Um, it sounds like you were in some ways well ahead of your time. I, I'm sure you were just sort of taking opportunities that were in front of you but um, you know comment um, if you can or, or um, it, it sounds like you were, you were really benefiting from just general performance experience in the community um, that that then would have uh, left you in really good stead come competition time because a um, it was sort of just another gig and not something you'd necessarily been working all year for um, and B you had that, uh, that 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 performance experience to just roll out again on stage yeah, we were fortunate that the four of us actually, um, you know, of course the combination changed in close shave over the years, but we always were quite happy to put in the detail work to get ready for competition. But you're absolutely right, I did a lot of performing um, in ensemble casts and solo work, as well as church choral singing and chamber group singing. So standing in front of an audience was certainly pretty normal for me. It was something I thoroughly enjoyed. It certainly never intimidated me. Um, but I also studied drama as part of my education degree. It was, it was one of my majors. So, um, you know, learning more of the stagecraft. Um, not that I was necessarily a particularly great actor or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I just learned more about stage presence, which was really helpful. Absolutely, valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Remind me to tell you more about that, though, when we got to got into real time as well, because it was a completely yeah. different situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, and, mate, uh, just before we leave uh, Close sh uh, Shave, um, you meant, you know, sang lead from there. So you've always sung lead, and, and they what they just happened to have uh, the, the lead uh, part available. And uh, presumably there would have been opportunities as, as the, the quartet evolved and, and new members came in and out for you to sing different parts, you just, you just like lead just worked for you? Yeah, lead was what they wanted at the time. Um, it fits my voice range exactly. I could also sing baritone if I wanted to, um, but I enjoyed the challenge of lead and the responsibility that goes with it yeah. because you're not just singing the melody, yeah. you've got a whole bunch of other jobs to do <coughs> that you've got to embrace. And um, I could sing a bit of tenor here and there, but you know, after a while, it's it's not the most comfortable spot for me. I don't my voice doesn't sit there comfortably for long periods of time, so only a little bit here and there. Lead no, lead to leads totally my thing, though. Cool. Yeah. No, some I think generally speaking, I think a lot of people are, are you know they tend to gravitate either to the melody part or to a harmony part. Um, yeah, personally, I'm just a complete sucker for harmony, but I think, yeah. <coughs> singing, singing I like the harmony. Socially, I like the harmony as well, but this suited me. Um, 
yeah. I suppose anybody anybody who sings lead, I you know, is either a bit neurotic, or a bit of a control freak, or a bit of both. And <laughs> I mean, let's I be see honest. That Ash right? isn't denying this. No, there's no <laughs> denying it. We, we may as well embrace it. We may as well don't think it's a bad thing. But you know, I enjoyed having that element of responsibility to say, okay, I've got to be the visual focus here. I've got to remember to get into position in a particular way. I've got to remember to breathe and give this verbal or non-verbal cue in a particular yeah. way. I've got to remember to execute the plan that we have decided for the song. Um, and, and of course, one of the things I learned early in life was when you got coaching in a quartet, well, two things I learned. One is, if you're sing lead, you're going to get more coaching and more comments than any other part. And it's not mm -hmm. that they're picking on you, it just goes with the territory and it shows the responsibility the you focus. have. Yep. And the second thing is, I learned very early on that when other guys got coaching advice, that was for me too. Yeah, right. If yeah. they made an adjustment, the next time we would sing through and ever after that, I would be listening for them to execute that as part of the plan. Ash, can you pick up some of these higher level quartet skills and awareness that may have led to certain things we may be discussing later on in the podcast? Um, ah, uh, yes. Yeah, very, very proactive. Uh, There's a certain trajectory you're on. There, there is one other thing uh, before we move on to Southern Cross. Um, given that the quite high turnover and you know the large number of guys uh, in in close shave um, just talk us through the the culture there because that must have you know evolved quite a lot you know any any individual new member coming in brings their own chemistry and that's you know every 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 foursome is a unique quartet so that must have ebbed and flowed a lot over the nine years yeah fortunately we had Tim he was the glue Tim was absolutely the glue all the way through first of all he he's, you know he'd been a GP with an outstanding bedside manner, you know, for so yeah, many years. Yeah. So it was it was difficult. He was always kind of the captain of the group, the organizer, the, the absolutely the kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. and it was difficult for people not to be able to talk and open up to Tim. You, know, you could easily just talk to him and just feel comfortable with him at any time. Wow. Wow. So he was definitely the driving force to organize, to <clears throat> order music, all that kind of stuff. So I think that was particularly the most important thing. But because he's so friendly and likable that it made such an easygoing culture, even when we were working hard. Well, what a great, great combination. Combat. Yeah, sometimes, of course, mm. if someone takes ownership, they can, you know, be a bit overbearing or they can say, my way or the highway. But it sounds like not only the good bit of he took responsibility and was proactive, but also, um, you know, involved people and, and, and generated positive relationships. Sounds like a, a, a best of both worlds. Yeah, really you cool. guys could work on that a bit, you know. Hey, yeah, I see where you're going with that. Um, mate, uh, so, uh, yeah, so talk to us about the transition. Um, well, so you, I assume you left um, Close Shave because you moved back to Brisbane. Um, and then you're, of course, involved in the, in the Clippers for a number of years, correct? And then, uh, and then yeah, talk to us about the beginnings of Southern Cross. You, you'd, you'd been a barbershopper for nine years. You, you know, you had quite a lot of performance experience. Presumably you knew, and you're a pretty proactive person, you knew what you were looking for. So you, you had, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah, um, not, it was 96, late in 96 that I moved back to Brizzy. And, um, I'd been, in, I'd been on the phone a couple of times with Bill Staff before I left, and we, we had an idea that we wanted to sing together. And I got into Brizzy, got sort of reset up, and um, we started looking around, the two of us, because we, we had an idea of, like, let's form a, a good quartet, as good as we can make it. Um, so, um, first of all, we found a bass in Avon Phillips, yeah. and that was all good, and then we needed a tenor, and... Um, there was an issue there with That's like you know, who do out, we find <laughs> who do we find well I uh, we were looking for somebody who was available and we thought would sort of fit with the group and I thought well why not Daniel Beckett and they said well he's in Tassie because <laughs> I'm because uh, you'd already you'd sung with him. him yeah right he joined us in he joined us in close shave absolutely and um, so we I got in contact with Daniel and Julia and talked to them about the awesome Queensland lifestyle. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm, 
Yeah, you know. I'm not going to take credit for it though, because ultimately they had to make the decision themselves. But they came on up and gave it a go. Wonderful. We got Daniel into the quartet, and things were looking good. In terms of chorus action, I, I didn't do a lot of chorus action in that, that that first year or so. I toyed around with a quartet idea for a while. I think that's you know, we toyed around with something that was going to happen in '97. Yeah, I think I've got my stories mixed up. There we go. I toyed around with the quartet idea for 97. If you could stop lying to us, that'd be great. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I toyed around with the quartet idea for 97, uh, and I backed out of it before we went to contest because it really wasn't going to work at all. So that's when I was talking to right. Bill again, and we found Avon. So we competed in about, for the first time, like April of, two, of 1998 as Southern Cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just choosing the name was one of those situations where you just have a list of names and you end up with crossing all the other ones off. So it's we not like oh we love yeah. it's not like we love this name. It's like this is all we're left with. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is so, the least worst. I do remember clearly we were having to register for that um, regional convention and competition. And, okay, we need to decide on the quartet name. So is it Southern Cross? Because we're right at the deadline, fellas. All right, there it is. <laughs> we put it in. My favourite story of those is uh, David Reed with his two sons uh, when he registered for the first time, of, uh, I think it was roughly two years ago. <clears throat> and um, he was literally typing out the registration in DHA and he had to, is it quartet name? So he just looked around his home office and saw a, 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 a packet of um, printing uh, paper and said, okay, our name is Reflex, <clears throat> which I think is quite a cool name. <laughs> yeah. I think in 97, I think I sang at a regional gathering competition with the Blenders. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the year that Acoustics came to Queensland, and the competition was held in Main Hall at University of Queensland. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, which I'd performed in a bunch of times as a kid, and here I was back again as an adult. So. Whatever year it was that they came, I did a little bit of like a competition with the Blenders then, but I was only with them for a couple of months. So it really wasn't until about 98 that we got the quartet going at Southern Cross and Bill was directing the Clippers and he convinced me to join the Clippers and be part of that action there. So it was 98 on from there. Sang with them until certainly through, yeah, through 2001. Yeah, obviously you got you got the, you got the big gong, the blue ribbon in '99 and '01, and so yeah, tell us about the, the Southern Cross um, journey. Obviously, you, you know you were ambitious. Uh, you, you know you, you you wanted to do well. Um, was there more or less or about the same sort of singing out in public? Was how was the vibe, etc. Yeah, it was a different story in Brizzy to get the to get the gigs. Um, we certainly did a lot more outdoor gigs than I was used to doing um, with Close Shave. But we were pretty driven, we were all committed, we really wanted to do well. And we have to say straight off the, straight off the bat that we wanted to win the, uh, the Aussie gold. Um, that was certainly a goal from right from the very beginning. And we were fortunate enough to do that in our own backyard as well in 99 mm-hmm. in Brisbane. And then there was that whole thing of like, you know, what do you do now? After you won the goal, what do you do next? You know. Well, at least you didn't have to retire like bad habits did. <laughs> yeah. It it it, it can uh, throw a lot of quartets off that whole question of what do we do next. Uh, but uh, you know, we, so we kept working for a bit because a lot of people would argue having you know a number of goals and and I guess for an Aussie group, you know, going to international is a um, is another goal and it's 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 quite a. Quite, it can be quite a humbling experience um, going from some top of the pops to uh, to uh, just another number on the list. Um, but yeah, so how did you work through that process? It, was, it sounds like it was a bit of a almost a um, yeah, it was a, a turning point anyway. Change base between '99 and 2001. Um, it was during that time as well. Totally unrelated. Not <laughs> I'm just thinking of it as it comes to mind. It's not related to changing base, but it was during that time that. The rule was changed so that a previous champion quartet could recompete. Uh-huh. So that gave us some incentive. So we thought, oh, right, well, we'll aim for 2001 in Melbourne, especially as it was going to be the Pan Pacific as well. Anyway, during that time, we also changed base uh, and we picked up Mark Penman, 
who had experience with Barbershop having sung with Derek Cosburn and a couple of other guys in the Dreamworld Quartet in the 80s. Ah. Yeah, so, and he'd also spent a couple of years with Opera Australia. So, he has a seriously large voice, that guy. Oh, I can tell you, when we auditioned him, and we were sta- standing in my flat in Tawana, <coughs> and we auditioned him, we stood in that looking inwards, you know, that square looking yes, inwards yes, like that, and we started there, to sing yeah. Heart of My Heart, and he was to my right and my right ear was almost blown out just by heart of my heart I thought whoa we're going to have to hold a pillow over this guy (laughs) yeah the the only time I've sung semi-officially with Mark was uh, in um, 2017 at the Pan Pax in Sydney where we had the um, combined uh, Australian quartet medalist chorus of uh, probably would have been about 30 guys there and it just coincidentally he was directly behind me and oh my gosh it just felt like I was surfing a wave of sound by singing in front of him it was extraordinary that, that anyway, operatic uh, resonance uh, oh, wow. really incredible so um, uh, did Southern Cross go to represent Australia at International? yeah we went in 2001 uh, cool. to Nashville Tennessee that was a really fun experience really enjoyed it we absolutely nailed that 46th position in the contest nailed it we were we were we were actually drawn number two in the quarterfinals and drawn first cab off the rank in that contest was michigan jake Oh wow! The quartet yeah, that actually listeners. won it. <coughs> yeah, people end up there and then I'm gonna win it. Wow. So, so did you know Michigan Jake before you went over? And like, were you standing no. backstage and hearing the sound and just going, "Oh my god!" Yeah, I mean, we knew they were going to be really good anyway because you know yeah. we'd seen them on yeah. on on video and all that. But right, you knew who they were. We were yeah. so, we were quietly hoping that after they sang and then we sang that there'd be an earthquake. It's like, yes, we're second. <laughs> <laughs> Two competitors finished. We're second. <laughs> Yeah, we had an absolute blast doing all that. Had a wonderful convention in 2001. Awesome. It was f- so much fun. Um, we sang the anthem um, to kick That's off another an quarterfinal it? session and did all the stuff that you do when you first go to That's a convention cool. as a quartet. It was great. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of months later, um, it was September of 2001, and we had the Pan Packs in Melbourne. And so we felt like we were in pretty decent shape. So that you would have gone in with sort of a you know no one wants to get carried away but you must have felt um you know really quietly confident obviously you always want to do your best but um you you must have thought well you know if we if we go and 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 do well for ourselves then we'll take this out you mean the uh, the pan packs win, win, the, win the australian yeah gold. yeah the australian well we went into that it was a different feeling completely when you come back you you understand it when you come back as champs it's a completely different mentality Yep. Well, it shouldn't be, but it is because suddenly there's this sense of like you know expectation that you've got in your mind there. So when we were announced as Aussie champs, we were sitting in the auditorium, of the, you know, the what was it, the Melbourne Concert Hall. We were sitting there, and they announced us as the Aussie champs. It was more a big sense of relief for particularly yeah, well, for yeah, me well. and Bill. We were more relieved than ecstatic. When, when you win, but, the anywhere is down. But I'm going to tell you a really, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a real, what I thought was a really funny story. We went up on stage, got given our medals, and of course the New Zealanders were all there, and it was the Pan Pacific Championship. So we were up on the stage as Aussie champs with medals, the trophy, and they still had to announce who'd won the Pan Pacifics. Now, uh, dear Andy Abberley, wonderful, wonderful man, don't uh, just never ever let that guy near a microphone because yeah. <laughs> he could talk the leg off an iron pot right uh, you're all waiting for results and he was just talking so everyone was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the announcement of the pan pack champions because andy was enjoying a good chat to the audience <laughs> we drifted off to the stage left area thinking you know oh god andy we love you but oh my god you know people are waiting here and right below the stage, right next to us, results or something, were the contest administrators. Yeah. And they're holding the, the this sheaf of papers, and I could see it was copies. Uh, and I just uh, thought, oh, what? I, I just whispered to them. I said, "What you got there? You got the results of the pan packs?" Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just jokingly said, "Oh, yeah. Can I see?" Have a look. Yeah. And they said, "Sure. Yeah. Here you go." <laughs> so we're standing there. It hasn't even been announced yet. And I go. Oh, wow. 
Bill. I say, Bill, we won, <laughs> we won the Pan Pacific, mate. <laughs> Saw the scores before it had been announced. It was just ridiculous. Uh, contest administrator, uh, best practice right there. Then they announced us and it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm surprised. Oh, <laughs> wow. Good times. That'll never happen um, again. <laughs> yeah. Now, I must say, um, through, you know, at least Ian Mulholland and Alex Morris, that the Australasian Guild of Barbershop Judges uh, is, is really um, had such an excellent trajectory over the past uh, yeah, decade or two. So, yeah, we're really, uh, really lucky to have people driving that and improving uh, the standards for, uh, for everyone in barbershop. Um, mate, uh, uh, time's uh, flying, so we, we, we need to keep going. But um, any... any um, sort of last reflections on uh, on um, a Southern Cross and then obviously sort of um, springboard that into your move to, to Canada and you know your expectations um, I know that uh, you, you moved to Canada for, for the delightful Corrine your now wife and uh, she knew so for people who may not be aware um, the, the 2005 International Champs real time had uh, so John on lead um, Tim Brosma on tenor and then two brothers uh, Mark and Tom Metzger. Mark was baritone and Tom was bass. Um, so she it was. It was. Was it mainly the Metzger brothers? Because now a little bit more context. They had been singing. Correct me if I'm wrong. With Mark on lead and their father Charles on baritone in in a top twenty quartet up until then, hadn't they? Yeah. Called Counterpoint. Um, I was at the 2002 convention in Portland, where they placed in the twenty, and I do not remember them at all. So <laughs> as I was getting ready, though, to move over to Canada just to try out life with Corrine, she, she, she had been a barbershopper as well, and she said, look, I know this, these three guys, and you would fit ideally. Uh, and she was talking about Tom and Mark and Tim um, because they were looking to sort of re redo and rework things. So I came on over and came on over, focused mostly on life, but uh, audition for the quartet turned out that we just had a, you know, a phenomenal natural match of voices, and again it was Corrine who was prescient, who uh, the first time we got together to just sort of try singing something in an informal situation, just to figure out a song we knew and do that, we drove home that night, and Corrine just said, "You guys are going to win international," and this would have been, you know. Yeah, somewhere early in 2003 she said you guys it wasn't like oh my god I know it wasn't overexcited she just matter-of-factly said you guys yeah. are going to win international and for someone who had sung who immediately sung after Michigan Jake and had come 45th I'm sure that was I mean I'm sure you knew that it was a good sound but it would have been quite something to digest yeah we had to work at it though I mean people say that real time came up really quickly and I suppose we did but we had to work once a week we we're very lucky that all of us lived within an hour's drive of each other you know mm -hmm. uh three of us were in the vancouver area tim lives in linden which is the a little town in washington state right on the border with canada and you can be from downtown vancouver you can be in linden with good traffic in just over an hour mm. so very so we were very lucky we got together every week we worked smart um we all had to basically remodel how we sang we completely learned a new way of releasing our voices and finding yeah. how that worked together as an org uh, as a foursome um having done a lot of musical theater it didn't work for me to be more of an um a heavily performing lead um it suited this particular formation to be an ensemble lead um so yeah. internalize a lot of emotions rather than show them in sort of um, theatrical way and that worked a whole lot better so for us well it was in that particular situation yes that when we really relaxed the vocal mechanisms that's when our sound um, just exploded it really expanded mm. in, in the best way so and this. the first ah, more of this ah. yeah it, it took us quite a while to get used to that though because when we had it when it started to happen under coaching we were confused like how can this sound so big when we're doing nothing you know yeah, so yeah, right. it took a while to trust that and to build on it and then then comes you know 
73,000 degrees of detail after that. Yeah. Depends on it depends on how obsessed you want to be, you know, as to is you know, exactly. you've got to be basically obsessed to go on and get in the medals uh, and after many hundreds if not many thousands of hours you're an overnight success. Um mate, and I, I gather am I, am I right in thinking Tom had to sort of be coached out of that, you know, not pushing too hard, gravelly uber bass, and be a sort of a, a lighter, dare I say, more musical bass. Yeah, sort of the, he, the story he went through. Yeah, he's got a big, big natural voice, yeah, um, and to balance chords, you know, if you take volume out of ten, someone would say, okay, everybody sing a chord, everyone sing this chord at a personal five, and then it was a case of, okay, three of you sing at a five, Tom, you sing at a three. Wow. <laughs> chord balanced, chord rang, chord expanded, yeah, wow. um, and that was you know uh, that was a an adjustment for him, but he made it quite simply. He just recalibrated really, and that was that. You know, so all of us had to sacrifice something though. I had to sacrifice mm. a particular performing style, and I had to give up the push the lips forward off the teeth and push the tongue down and keep the larynx pushed down as far as you can really tank up in the using the abdominal muscles as much as you can i had to stop all that over muscular stuff and yeah. learn just to be free and natural and then tweak it from there you write a book about this stuff uh, yeah, mate. Yeah, I, I should do that. What a great idea! Hey, I, I expect some royalties out of that. Um, so, um, tell you know, the, the, did you did you what what mentality did you go into the two thousand and four international with? I guess you'd been through prelims, so you knew you were travelling well. Um, did the did the other did the did the other guys know they'd taken a bit of a <coughs> excuse me step up? <coughs> um, and because you know to come was it. Sixth or seventh, seventh in your first year um, in two thousand and four. I mean, that was that was pretty amazing. We we knew we were onto a different model of singing that nobody else was doing, and we knew it was working for us. We definitely set the goal from the beginning that the first time we competed, we wanted to make the international top ten. The first time we hit international, we wanted mm-hmm. to be in the top ten, and nice. we hit that goal, which was great. Mm. We knew it was going well for us. But it was just getting better as it went along. You know, the more we trusted it and it really gelled together, that was that was the thing. But we went in with that goal, but no other expectation. You know, you can't have any expectations of what you're going to do because that screws up your thinking. Just yep. go in, do your best, and, you know, everything else takes care of itself, right? So, that, I mean, that, there's a bunch of other stuff, obviously, but that leads directly onto the, 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 the 05 convention. And for those who may not be aware, in 2004... A new, um, big, shiny, uh, legendary quartet, Max Q, came on the scene and were expected to win first year out, um, but uh, but Gotcha sort of blindsided them. Um, so, uh, you know, tell us about you, you know your goals for 2005 because it I assume the expectation around international was that Max Q was going to be a little uh, a little uh, uh, you know taken aback at not winning and they were going to come and storm the 2005 convention. But you're kind of famous for saying, you know, you went in there, did your own thing. You're sort of almost infamous for being almost too relaxed and just, you know, just running Well, when we first made ourselves, when we decided to be a quartet during 2003, we did set lofty, you might say, arrogant goals from the beginning. And that was to be in the 10 in 2004, to be in the top five medals in 2005 and to win in 2006. Those were our written goals. Well, you failed goals. that last one, didn't you? I know. We completely <laughs> screwed it up. What a bunch of losers. Um, but we, we, uh, we went in to 2005 with the goal of being in the, somewhere in the medals. And by our prelims scores, we were right on track for that. Because um, we'd qualified second. And we thoroughly expected... Max Q to win in 2005. So yeah. I think that worked to our advantage in that we had no expectation to win. Yeah. Um, we weren't really trying to win. We were just trying to do our best. Do, hey, you know, there are, we said to everybody, look, we don't sing as big as the other quartets out there. There are quartets who walk across this stage who can kick our butts volume wise, but we can't play that game because it's not our game. If we push, we suck. So let's just keep re- let's just keep relaxing 
let's just keep doing it the way we've been doing it because it's working really well for us and we're moving up let's just execute that have a lot of fun doing it we had done a lot of detail work leading up to it you know we knew the sets we were going to yeah. sing we knew what round we were going to sing the sets in and what order the songs were going to go in we knew those months before contest yeah, um, yeah, you know, I know yeah, so many so quartets who are still relaxedness about being ready. Yeah? yeah, I know so many quartets who who still haven't decided what order to sing a couple of songs the in. Day until, off. Yeah. Exactly, it's like you know you've got yeah. to rehearse it with a full <laughs> plan in mind. So, yeah. so that was that, and we just kept doing it. And people very kindly kept coming up to us during that convention, saying, "We've got you in first. Oh, we think you should be yeah. number one." And <laughs> it start we smiled and said thank you but we tried to get away as quickly as we could because it messed with our heads yeah. um, right. and so you did have to be careful not to be sucked into that and, oh, and totally with well, the risk of it changing your mentality walking on stage depends on what works for you as a group some groups yeah. thrive on yeah. that stuff and it just makes them do better for us it messes with our heads we like to be sort of quiet away from things until it's time to be on stage and then do our own thing from there. You know, everybody has their own way. You just got to figure that out and, and stick to it. Yeah, but having having said that, I mean, I, I'm guessing when third was announced and you weren't there, you weren't surprised, but you were still kind of expecting to be announced second. Um, so you, I, I get, uh, yeah, talk us through that those those few seconds when Max <laughs> yeah. was announced second. Um, when third was announced. It was like, okay, oh boy, this is getting interesting, We've you know. Pretty well, yeah. Um, and so there was definitely more tension backstage when it was time to announce second. And they announced Max Q, and there was quite a roar from the crowd because we were separated from the crowd and then by a curtain. There was quite a roar, and the Max Q guys immediately backstage um, congratulated us, embraced oh us, and said, "Well done, fellas." People were backslapping us from everywhere at this point, and I can't remember what the other three guys in the quartet were doing, but I was certainly going, "Whoa, hang on! You know, no, nobody's said anything yet. Whoa, settle <laughs> down! You know, like this, you're this, thinking maybe you came sixth. Yeah, you never know in no, a crazy don't. old world. <coughs> do you never want to count your chickens, right? So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. so, so it was just yeah, like, let's just wait until we hear it. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting actually. Um, uh, without offending the OC Times guys, um, I, when, in, when second was announced in 2008, um, I really thought that um, Stormfront had won. So and they ended up coming sixth. So yeah, you just you just never know, um, mate. And so your 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 sets have, have become you know fairly infamous in themselves. Such such sort of smooth, clean singing and just a, a good, that good consonant barbershop sound. Um, briefly, yeah, talk us through how you chose those six songs, and you know, did you have 10, 15, a bunch of others to choose from, or did you kind of fairly early on identify there was something about the range and musicality of those six songs that worked for you? We all dug into our music early on, and it, and it took a while, but one of the things we wanted to do was be was try not to repeat stuff that others had done. <laughs> so lucky you got in early with Come Fly With Me. Yeah, <laughs> well, that started in the... That started in the chorus in Vancouver, the Gentleman of Fortune chorus that Tom was directing at the time. The, the, the chorus in 2003 did a Sinatra show, so Come Fly With Me was in right there, so up, we yeah, just right picked up. that up from the chorus yeah. and, and used it, and it became one of ours. So I think that's where the, you know, the disease started and spread from there, because let's, <laughs> let's face it, that song spread around pretty easily after that. Yeah. Well, fair enough. No, we just chose songs that we thought, okay, what hasn't been heard much, what hasn't been done, um, will it suit us, does it interest us at the same time? So we were digging through our libraries of stuff. Um, the Metzgers were particularly you know, enamoured of Greg Volk arrangements, so mm -hmm. we sang some of those, and, and, and you know, they work really well. They're awesome arrangements. Mm. It's, some of them are really, really hard. And then just organic process of tweaking the songs. Uh, yeah, this song's not working so much, so we'll move it somewhere else. Let's bring something else in for competition from there. You know, um, Heart of My Heart, that Brent Graham arrangement, that came about from 2004, hanging around after the contests were over. And Brent took us aside and taught us, I suppose you call it the coda of that song it's more than the tag it was a lot more than the tag and he taught us right. that and we were just looking at each other going 
we have this to works. sing this. We have yeah, to sing yeah. this. And there was a lot of arm twisting there <coughs> with him because he wanted to sing it with his quartet, but he eventually said, sure, <laughs> you guys do it. So that's where Heart of My Heart came into it. Um, and of course, um, uh, Gotcha won the year before you singing Nelly, another polecat. So, um, uh, so you know, it's not, not, uh, not unheard of. Yeah, although the Heart of My Heart arrangement we sang, I mean, it's yeah. somewhat different from the polecat. Yeah. But that, was, again, was the whole yeah. point because you can't go and compete on stage singing Heart of My Heart the way it's been sung in singing Valentine's five times. billion yeah. times. Yeah. You got to you got to do something that, to make it your own, and and that that thanks to some good coaching and some ideas that came that way, we were able to work at that like that. The whole Rat Pack idea just came about from oh, screw it, let's have some fun. But that also yeah. was born out of the chorus thing in two thousand and three when the chorus was doing that whole Sinatra, Sinatra yeah. show, and we thought, well, let's just open up the shirts, drape the ties. Hold the simulated scotch and just because it's a great because it suits the way we try to sing relax. We may as well just stand there and sing relax. You know, be relaxed on stage. Yeah, but that's the whole point. You just gotta yeah do what you do. The way to be relaxed on stage is to really know your stuff. You've got to know every little detail because you you guys know as well as I do that the surest way to get nervous is to go. What's coming next? I hope I get this bit. Yeah. Yeah, is to be not properly prepared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 I'm glad you said that because it's, it's a real bugbear of mine. And having in Australia, well, and shadow judged in America, but um, sat in the pit so many times, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's so, so evident who comes on stage and is prepared, they're relaxed, they do their thing, and who is, you know, standing there like a deer in a headlight saying, I hope I get through this. Or as the, as the sweat airlines say, I hope I get from one st- side of the stage to the other without leaving any bodily fluids on stage. But you guys know as well as anybody. You guys know as well as anybody, though, that you know you can see it when a quartet walks on the stage. You can see straight off the bat if they're just trying to produce a song that somebody else has done, or you mm-hmm. can see straight off the bat if they're trying to tell their own story and do their own thing. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's the biggest step in the journey, other than. Other than getting your chords in tune, the biggest well, step in the journey is find your way of doing it, you know, and, and right. work on that. Yeah, so I was just thinking as you were saying that, I was going to speculate or propose that the, 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 the um, trigger point or the transition there might be sort of around that A level. You can get up to about that 81 level roughly by just singing really well and kind of colouring by numbers but that's when the artistry comes in 81 and above and I'm actually thinking that maybe even higher than that because a lot of very very good singing quartets in in the bottom like in the not in the 10 in the bottom half of the 20 um, just sing really really well without necessarily bringing the song alive or making it their own would you have any observations on that yeah fair enough there are several glass ceilings that you hit as you're moving up one of them is that 80 the next one is like that 82, 83, and then the 85. Each one is a glass ceiling. The higher you go, the harder it becomes to earn those extra points. But I think it really comes down to this. Commit yourself to singing it with the best quality that you can. Um, leave your ego behind, especially when somebody gives you ideas to help you sing with that best quality. Because mm-hmm. often the idea is going to be something that you hadn't thought of, or it's going to be something that you initially think, hang on, this conflicts with other coaching I've had. How do I figure this out? You've got to just open your mind, leave the ego behind, do your best to sing with the highest quality that you've got. And then, yeah, the artistry comes into it. You've got to figure out what you're trying to say. But the worst thing you can do is go out there and try to score points. Yeah. If you go out and try to score points, it's obvious. If you try yeah. to impress judges, that's a sure way to lose. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a sure way to be disappointed if you're trying to impress <clears throat> judges. But yeah. if you go out there to show who you really are and different sides of yourself, which is scary being yourself on the stage and revealing different sides of yourself and things you've been through in life is scary but that's what you've got to do scary although i i would 
want to flip that on its head to an extent. Some people actually find stage an amazing permission to be the be the vulnerable that you know they can't. Society doesn't really allow them to be in their everyday lives. Oh yeah, some for some it's a real safe space to yeah. be able to take that risk. I mean, when it's easy to say you know show that truthful side of yourself when you're singing a ballad. You know, we all bring if if, if we're truthful, we bring difficult experiences that we've had to our ballads. But even singing something like Come Fly With Me and Birth of the Blues, even though we're trying to tell a story, I mean, those character ideas we were working with there, we are so not like those guys. But each, each one of us has a little piece inside us that goes, I just wish I could be that guy once so I could just walk up to anybody I want and say, you know, they'll do the like the Joey and friends, how you doing, you know, and just say, I'll buy you a drink and you can join me in the dressing room later. You know, do those sort of overconfident approaches and not get slapped in the face or told to piss off, you know. So, so it was kind of, it, it, you know, it, yeah, in a way it was being yourself. And it's a little bit, correct me if I'm wrong, about that fight club a concept of, of, you know, this is who I am, this is who I want to be. And suddenly I realize I'm being this person anyway. Um, so that you were that you, you, you were being true to a component of your actual self, I guess, in, in some ways you could say. Absolutely, um, absolutely. There's a piece of us that just wished we could be that guy who could yeah, snap yeah. his fingers and get whatever he wanted. And then it, it was just a case of, you know what, on the stage we can do that. We're allowed yeah. to. Nobody's going to yeah. slap us in the face or knee us in a very tender area. I was like, okay, well, let's play with that. Let's have some fun, you know. Let's just say, yeah. loosen up, pretend we're having a drink. Yeah. It, by the way, it wasn't real scotch out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say that now, now that we can't prove otherwise. Well, we, um, didn't want, we didn't want the smell hitting the judges, right? Because this, <laughs> the smell is well, obvious. Down, the I'd smell learned, down there anyway, it always is in the judges' pit. So. I'd learned the theatre craft years before. You just get a bottle of Coke, you open it up the night before so it goes completely so flat. flat then you yeah. just mix it with water until you get the colour you want. Don't ever use yeah, apple nice. juice because it's, okay. it doesn't have enough yeah. colour. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You heard it first here, folks. Um, <laughs> time has absolutely flown, of course. Um, so just a, f- a couple of finishing questions. Uh, as um, as your host from uh, your, your gold medal moments specifically arcs to you, as I like to say, um, who do you like at the moment? Yes, you know, it's pretty hard for the listeners. John's face just screwed up. Um, it's it's a fascinating year. Lemon Squeezy, of course, uh, is taking the air out. They've had a new baritone. Uh, so great for them. They're going through their own journey, and I'm excited to see them back hopefully next year sometime soon um signature you know a lot of people would have penciled in but they've had a, a change a new new tenor has come in paul sacker and mm-hmm. their previous tenor has gone to baritone so they've that have been you know but having listened to them at, uh, at sunshine region in, in florida they've still got an amazing sound that's called 93 or something um <coughs> throwbacks uh, still in the mix um you've got rooftop records coming through so um you know do you still you still follow it all pretty closely and and, and who do you like Oh mate, it's uh, it's a bit of a toss up this year because it, it you know then again, the last couple of years people have said oh these guys are going to win these guys are going to win didn't necessarily happen that way, mm-hmm. um, you know everyone thought that everyone thought last year's signature was going to take it, and of course after hours just came out and totally Sweet nailed it. everything superbly you yeah. know they were they were fantastic, yeah. the good thing is that somebody pretty much always manages to step up you know there's not too many years where there's a gap left you know but um ha it's a tricky one it's a three-way battle if you have to call it a battle i mean it's apples against oranges against pineapples mm-hmm. you know it's a, they're yeah. all three different quartets in signature um throwback and of course Corum. um who was the the other one i'm trying to think of? oh lemon oh, squeezy i should have yeah. said lemons well, it's yeah. apples against pineapples against lemons right you know there we go hey <laughs> I like Corum as well, though. They've got a actually beautiful, you know, and I think they, um, over the past, from 19, from 17 to 18, I think their sound really evolved, you know, lined up a bit more, matured, and, and just singing better. Uh, so I think they're someone to watch as well. When, they, when Corum really rings a chord, I think they ring the chords better than anybody else in the field. Um, mm. They really, really do. Um, just those little tiny consistency things, you know, that, that right. wouldn't come as any. That's the same for anybody. It's about yeah. 
consistency um, it was you guys get plenty of visits now from Kim Vaughan don't you Yes, yeah, she's yeah. down here a bit. So yeah. it was. We had one coaching session with Real Time with Kim Vaughan, and she said uh, to us in that one coaching session, she was brilliant, really beautifully honest with us, and she left me with a saying that I will keep with me for years, and that is, if you ring the most chords, you win. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, who's going to win in this year's competition? Whoever rings the most chords, they're yeah. all going to sing with artistry and good presentation and performance. Yeah they're all going to do an exceptional job it's just going to come down to who rings the most chords really you heard it here first folks the, one, the winners are going to be the ones who do it best yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> stunning insight mate that's why you get paid the big bucks um, so mate um, uh, briefly you just need to touch on the choruses how exciting it's been over the past uh, decade or so um, to have uh, you know Westminster come in and and, and knock the, the sort of the three-way turn up and win game that we had with Ambassadors Masters and the VM. Um, so um, but now we, you know we, again we've got some some other smaller but you know very exciting groups. Um, obviously Zero Eight's been around for a while, but Parkside is new. Um, you know KVU made a massive splash a few years ago, and you know hopefully they're coming back. So we've got a, a real sort of another. The next tier down in size, you know, the, the top ones being that, that sort of 120 to 150, we've got a bunch of choruses around that sort of 40, 50, 60 mark that are, that are you know, still scoring in the, in the, the low 90s. The low 90s. Yep, that's fantastic. Um, we as a quartet real-time got invited to sort of come out of retirement and headline Westminster's show a few years ago, which was a was pretty huge cool. thrill. What a thrill. That yeah. was so cool. Um, and so we were there as they were developing that contest set in 2015 and then we were there in Pittsburgh when when they sang it it was the whole Newsies set that they did there you know and the room was where you had to be to do it justice the you know the, the recording doesn't do it justice it was so ridiculously good it was phenomenally good it's like whoa but that just said it you know it, it's not the thing of like okay if you have 150 guys you automatically win yep. especially if you sing aggressively if you go back to the 70s and 80s they were really disciplined absolutely they yeah. were beautifully rehearsed they could sing with great contrast but it, there was often contrast for the sake of contrast and there was a lot of really aggressive singing yeah. um, but now it's not the case you know you've got to have you've got to be able to sing with exceptional ensemble quality with that resonance that really fills the entire spectrum you know all the frequencies that you can possibly imagine yeah Yeah, that's 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 the cool stuff there because that's where music is really happening which is Mm. it is extraordinary what uh, what some of them are doing um, and mate, finally, um, uh, your um, what does your barbershop future entail? You, you you retired, correct me if I'm wrong, from real time uh, a, a year or two after you won because you had a young family and you wanted to really focus on that. Um, had you have you done some directing yeah. in, in the past few years? I What's, did. Uh, what does your future hold? Oh mate, I'm not actually doing much at the moment. I directed our local chorus for three years, um, mm-hmm. but I am quite contentedly not really singing at the moment which seems a little unusual considering how much I can talk about the stuff Um, I'm just enjoying a nice little break from it Um, I will I will be completely honest with you guys and because these days I'm very much a mental health advocate Um, Mm -hmm. I I dealt with depression since the age of 12 so that's 1982 and working with my psychologist during what was it 2016 um, I was really 2016 2017 that sort of thing I managed to release a lot of important stuff and the whole need to sing for a while just fell gently at my feet quite happily so it's the the need to sing that I used to have doesn't really exist anymore so I'm enjoying doing my own thing right now and when I sing again it'll be for another reason and I'm going to thoroughly enjoy it when that time comes in the meantime um, I do a bit of coaching do a bit of mentoring so when are you guys getting me down there yeah, yeah, absolutely. Talk, talk, talk to the um, talk to the council. We, uh, we had you out, of course. Um, I'm sure we can make a bun. 
I'm sure we yeah, can make a Bundy tour. Bundy, yeah, exactly. A Bundy tour can definitely be passed off as coaching, right? You know. Uh, <laughs> Kieran O'Day would be into that. Um, yeah, but no, we had you out for a little concert tour. I, I was very new to Barbershop at the time, but 06, I'm pretty sure, yeah, because you just won, correct? And, and you went around the, and did a little celebration, and that was very cool. But um, yeah, we need to, uh, cool. to get you out again. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, I'd love to catch up with everybody, see how it's all going. My folks are still in Oz. They're getting getting on in years now. And, yeah, uh, yeah, So I should probably pay them a visit there. But, you know, you mentioned my kids. Okay, you know, yeah, it's yeah. it's really hard to travel when you've got kids. You know, you, how do you afford sure. the, either the money for yourself or the time for yourself or the money for everybody and that sort of yes. thing. You know, when I left real time, I had three kids in nappies because I had one kid and then two years later we had twins. Yeah. And uh, and now they're 14, 12, and 12, so um, life's pretty different, but they get more expensive. Still full. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and more complicated. Yeah, that too. <coughs> cool. Well, uh, to finish off, any, any final um, uh, uh, reflections on your own barbershop career or, or a little gold nuggets of advice, either for newbies in barbershop or people who may have been around for decades? I would say the biggest thing that people can do with barbershop right now, or always, is to evangelize, is to think outwardly, um, mm. because the Barbershop Harmony Society doesn't recruit any members, not one. Barbershop Harmony Australia doesn't recruit a single member. Every single member that's ever been brought in has been brought in by an individual member. Yeah. Um, the, it's, it's the individual person who does the recruiting. So we have to think outwardly. We have to evangelise. Um, clubs and choruses, as they are, do great things, and they're tremendous places to be, but we have to watch that the culture doesn't become too insular, that we're all just playing to ourselves all the time, that we're all just focusing on ourselves all the time. We have to look outwardly to look at ourselves from an outside perspective, because the one thing I saw travelling across... Canada and the US and around the world with real time was when you're doing these chapter shows you go and do chorus chapter shows anywhere from 50% of your audience and up consists of other barbershoppers and their families which is great we love that but we cannot take it for granted and if we continue to think inwardly all the time and fail to think outwardly there's absolutely no chance of growing. You heard it here yeah. first. That's, that's gold, babe. Thank you very much. Um, then, sorry, there is one other final question that I do remember from your um, 2013 <laughs> interview uh, with Gold Medal Moments. At the time, understandably, you said that um, of all the quartets in history, vocal spectrum was head and shoulders above the rest, uh, daylight second. Um, uh, while I... Uh, I agree with you, they're my favourites as well. We've had a few since then, uh, not least of which the the Ringmasters, but also Instant Classics and and, and After Hours. Um, They're they're some exceptional singers as well. Are you still of the view that in the history of Barbershop we've got um, got vocal spectrum first and then daylight second? Did I really say that six years ago? I can't remember that. Listen, it's... Would I put words into your mouth? I suppose, <laughs> I suppose we've got to look at it from the point of view of various things they've done and the longevity that they've had and so forth. Yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting. I yeah, must have been unwell or something. I love, <laughs> I love, I love <laughs> vocal spectrum. TLA is the best in performance of history. Seriously, vocal spectrum are awesome. Um, in yep. terms of my favourite, I'm not going to say they're the best yeah. in history, my favourite has always been the Gas House Gang. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, we didn't have, well, we're out of time now, but um, to, to talk about that in any, in any detail, but Gas House Gang, of course, visited, and, and possibly my favourite two-photo collage of all time in Barbershop is, is, is a, a young, uh, vibrant, uh, slim-looking John Newell in the early 90s, standing next to Rich Knight, the, I'm <laughs> calling you whatever you're hearing, um, standing <laughs> next to the lead of Gas House Gang, Rich Knight, and then uh, next to it is a photo of the two of you on the AIC show, standing next to each other with, with, with international gold medals on. That's just such a beautiful, just extraordinary, awesome yeah. photo collage. That was pretty cool. Um, it, was, it was a pretty cool moment for me because I was standing next to Rich. Because the guy's a legend. He's 
Still to this day a brilliant singer. He's a lovely yep, guy. Yep. You know, you got to hand it to him. He's just done so much good stuff. But yeah, that was like 97. That was also at Main Hall in University of Queensland that I met the Gas House Gang. There they there were. And just listening to them live do their stuff was just magical. Yeah. And then get to sing with them afterwards standing in the lobby that sort of thing first of all you realize my god they really are short (laughs) and then and then then to sing with them which is a huge thrill but i'll tell you what i couldn't match with them at all at the time i couldn't fit into their sound at all i'd probably do a lot better now but uh yeah but yeah it was still it was such a huge awesome experience and they were just wonderful wonderful guys very cool. So many amazing experiences we've all had. Well, that uh, uh, wraps it up. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Uh, awesome to spend time with you. And uh, I'm sure that the listeners are, are, are grateful and, and of, of what they've heard. And uh, hopefully the listeners have, have not only learnt more about your story, but also uh, grabbed a couple of uh, bits of advice, uh, some excellent bits of advice from you along the way. So, so uh, uh, AMS, uh, bronze uh, medalist and champion and international gold medalist, uh, John Yule, thank you for your time. <laughs> Hey guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you doing it. I think you're doing a great job. Um, You're using up a lot of your own time here doing it. So, you know, people should be thankful. So, if they send their money to what address? (laughs) Then you guys can be kept in good supplies of Bundy so you can keep these podcasts going. Richard and Ash's uh, pizza appeal um, at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So let's awesome. get ready for the Aussies now. Come up for the World Cup. Let's uh, can the Aussies for the World Cup. Well, we've got both that. the cricket and the rugby World Cup this year, of course. So, uh, yep. Um, yes, that'll be very exciting. Yes. All right, signing off. Thanks very much, everyone. Bye. Thanks, guys. See you guys. <laughs>